Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and finally the big man has returned. It's been a while, yes. but I'm finally joined once again by my great mate, Lockie, to run through and recap the 2023 AFL Draft. I'm also keen to get his thoughts on all of the off-season acquisitions as we put a full stop on the 2023 season and look towards the future of what will be a massive 2024. Lockie, mate, how are you? How have you been? And have you kept up at all with all things Carlton while you've been away? Mate, it is so good to be back. So good. Definitely have kept up with it considerably. I think this is the most I've ever been hyped in my life going into a new season. It already feels like we're going into a new season, even though we're just ramping mm. down 2023. I'm already, I'm already taking in all the Carlton propaganda I can for 2024. I love it. Yeah, the boys back to training. Already there's been an open training. Looks like there's going mm -hmm. to be another one in a week or two. It's exciting. Everything is really ramping up now, and it's it's strange. It's been such a long year, but it's gone quick, but there's been so much that's happened. I just, I just cannot wait to get into more 2024 content, but we've got Me to too. recap the draft. It was a big, big night once again. Couple of selections. Lockie, I throw it to you to uh, go over mm -hmm. and host the, uh, the next little yeah. bit. Of course, mate. Well, so we had to wait a little while, didn't we, for that uh, that first pick? Oh, I was tuning hopeless. in over from Big Europe, first round, <laughs> uh, enjoying the coverage. Uh, pick twenty nine. What did you make of uh, that? The last pick on the first night. Yeah, strange draft. Uh, incredible that the first round where every single team gets one pick goes out to twenty nine in an eighteen team league. But we love it. Uh, finally, we got our we selection and. It was very interesting on the night. I think for me, I was just trying to see who was going to be available at that selection. In the uh, draft preview, mm -hmm. I definitely had highlighted a fair few names. Most of those had gone by the end. And really, the yep. one that I was hoping that we were going to get with this pick and the one we ended up getting was Ashton Moyer, 187 centimetres, 85 kilos from Glenelg. He's that kind of mid-sized general forward and... I'll kind of run mm -hmm. through, for those that didn't hear the sort of draft preview that want to know a bit about him, I'll, I'll sort of run through a bit of a profile. He actually in the draft combine testing was sixth in the agility test out of everyone. So the man's got a bit of mobility, got a bit about him. And X factor, I think, is a term that gets thrown around a lot um, and maybe overhyped for a few. But I think regardless, whatever you say X factor is, this guy has that in spades. He was basically projected at the start of the year as a top 10, if not top five pick um, yep. due to a really impressive bottom age year, kicked about 30-odd goals and just absolutely dominated for a bottom age player, showed a lot of hype. And I think this year he really did struggle that, and really with just consistency and overall production, which really saw him sort of fall out of those projections. He was hampered sure. by basically a hip injury uh, that really persisted and, and nagged throughout the, the whole season for at least the sort of first half of it and he really struggled to show off his athletic and aerial ability I, I think mm -hmm. because of that and on top of that he was really trialed in a lot of different positions they try like which is what they do uh for those that don't follow a lot of the draft and yet they they've seen you play for so many years that in your sort of 18 year the last year of under 18s they start to go okay well show me other elements of what you've got we kind of know what you are mm -hmm. what else can you bring to the table he was trialed a bit in midfield which didn't really work they tried him off half back he was okay with some distribution and okay in the air but it wasn't really his spot they had him in the 
forward line as well for, for South Australia, playing him quite deep, which I think didn't help him really get involved into the game because South Australia weren't the best team in the carnival. And so I think him getting moved around a lot, he really wasn't able to get that kind of consistency. However, while I, I'm making him sound really, really bad and I'm not getting you excited about him at all, I think oh, in flashes he really did show you still what he's capable of. It maybe just wasn't as frequent as it was in his bottom age year. And at his best, this guy's a genuine freak. Like he's that medium-sized forward who he's got that leap, he's good in the air, can take good mark. And then he also is really sort of quick off his first couple of steps. And so when the ball goes inside 50, out of nowhere, he sort of he finds himself with that separation from his opponent, is in space and takes the mark. And probably yeah. the thing that's been spoken about the most with him is that he's dual-footed. He does not have a preferred foot, which is... So weird. And it's not as if he's got, doesn't have a preferred foot because both of them are garbage. Both are almost <laughs> like elite kicks, He'll, which is incredible for a forward because how many times do you see, you know, all of a sudden Harry's got a mark in the pocket and you're like, oh no, he's on the wrong side. Oh. This is an issue. Doesn't matter for Ashton because he'll just put it on the right. He'll put it on the left. It doesn't really matter. And yeah, I sort of, I spoke about the uh, the X factor and this is probably the thing that excites me the most about him. This is why I throw that term X factor on him. He's that kind of player that game of football has gone past. It's not much has happened. And then out of nowhere in about four or five minutes, Ashton stepped up and he's kicked four goals and taken the game away from you in no time flat. He's got that ability to be prolific in front of goal out of nowhere, take the game away from you. And I think that that's something that as far as if you're looking at our list at the moment, we just don't have that kind of X-factor play in that forward line, particularly that mid-size. He's been kind of I've thrown around that Bailey Fritch kind of-esque around him as far as his mm-hmm. playing ability. I hate player comparisons, but if you're looking at kind of mid-size forward that can take a mark but also play a bit small, there you go. That's kind of what you're looking at. He's kind of that sort of Jack yeah. Martin is what I would maybe say a little bit about where he may go missing for a couple of games and not do a lot, but then he'll play three in a row where he'll kick six every single game. Like it's just, that's just what those mid-sized forwards do. It's hard to make them ridiculously consistent in that sort of style. And I do, I'm really excited about it because we don't have that mid-sized forward that can take a mark. And then we don't have someone that can really just take that game away from you. So for me, there's plenty of upside, really high ceiling player. And I just think well worth the punt for that kind of guy. Um, and we can, we don't yeah. have to play him right away, play him in the twos, let him get that confidence back up. And all of a sudden he'll be ready to go. And I think we could have a really, really exciting player here. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it. I mean, it's, it's easy to get swept up in the little highlights packages that they put together. Mm. You're, you, you follow it, you know, along the journey a lot more than I do, but it definitely feels like exactly the kind of player that we want to be able to add to our list. And I think, it's also it's also great to have the narrative of that ceiling play as well. Mm. It's a lot sexier to hear about a player that like was destined to go a lot higher, but injury or form whatever mm. put them off, rather than someone that's like a last minute bolter. And it's like, oh, they've come yeah. from nowhere to get drafted. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, mm. it's it's nice to have that kind of the built in ceiling, uh, which I think they've done with a few of these players. So yeah, I'm I'm pumped for it. I think so. And it's the, it's the tough thing when you're picking, I guess, when your first pick is around that sort of 29 area where you're going to get someone that has some sort of a problem, which is the reason they weren't that really high top 10 kind of pick. Sure. There's always a downside to it. And when really looking at that bulk of players, this draft was really different in it. 
really after that kind of top 15, you could throw a blanket from 15 to 30 on so many of these guys. It was really hard to distinguish who was the real standouts. And so clubs obviously really earmarked a few and really went deep into the the planning on some of those because there was a few players that went a bit higher than some expected. Some floated around. And yeah, Mm. I think Ashton, when I'm looking at the guys around this pick, suits a need, has the upside, was projected to go around this pick anyway. So yeah, definitely plenty to like with an Ashton Moyer. Really excited. For sure. I don't think there's a reason for us to put like negative bias on where they go in the draft. If you think mm. about just our last five years, like some of the guys that we took yeah. it, in the top five, in the in the top 20, and then you think of other guys like, I remember Jesse Motloff was around this pick and he's basically been straight in mm. ever since. So um, yeah, very exciting. Uh, and it wasn't too long later that we took our second guy. Yes, Billy Wilson with pick 34, 183 centimetres, 72 kilos from the Dandenong Stingrays. Uh, Basically played most of his year as a halfback, but as Nick Austin has mentioned quite a bit, did Mm -hmm. float in the midfield in that second half. And this guy was a bit of a surprise at this draft range. A lot definitely had him projected to go a little bit later. We were heavily linked with him. I didn't end up chucking him in my uh, draft preview because it sounded more like yep. he was going to be that kind of player that if we had a pick in the rookie draft, which it was hard to get confirmation on this at the time because all of a sudden Cottrell is on the main list. We have an injury to one of the Irish players that hadn't 100% signed. They don't really yeah. tell anyone outside of the club who's on the rookie list, who isn't. So it's quite hard to judge whether we were going to have a pick. And I thought he was going to be one someone that, we would float maybe to that. I didn't have him projected there because I, even though, look, my ratings, they're just my personal ones. I'm not Nick Austin. This is a hobby rather than an actual profession. So take of this what you want. But I had him, Billy Wilson, rated at 56. So I was definitely surprised that we went that little bit earlier. But you never know what these AFL clubs are looking at, how they project these certain players and how they rank them. There was obviously some sort of, Teams around this area that were looking at him. Otherwise, you suspect Carlton maybe would have looked to trade back, maybe get an extra pick for next year. But in the end, we pick up Billy Wilson, who, as I mentioned, played majority of the year off halfback, ended up in the Coates Talent League Team of the Year. So obviously a really consistent year that uh, those in the under-18 league said, look, this guy, one of our best. And Mm -hmm. for me, when I'm looking at his strengths, his biggest strength is really that kicking. He's got... Such a penetrating that. long kick and just a really smart distributor by foot off that halfback, um, really mm-hmm. helping with that defensive transition by foot, which I think is something when you're looking at our team and what we kind of need to address, you know, speed and foot skill is kind of that thing that we're wanting. We do <laughs> have a really solid backline, but we do need some guys coming through that are a little bit younger. If you look at, at Saad, Williams, and even Newman, you know, at the end of that sort of, 20-year-old age range, there's not a lot of youth really coming through with high ceilings. So it makes sense to maybe look at someone who's got those attributes there. And we did struggle a bit with transition throughout the season. So to get another guy who's good by foot definitely helps. And then as Nick Austin was saying, he did move into the midfield in the second half of the year, which I think showed a little bit of versatility with him as well. Austin, he seemed very, very bullish from what he saw and they definitely have earmarked him as that mid. I think he mentioned he's looking to train with the mids in preseason. That's what they sort of drafted him as. And it is a bit interesting because he didn't necessarily, I guess, stand out as that 
midfielder. He wasn't someone that, you know, would would come in and, and be that 30-possession player. But I mm-hmm. felt he did in that role show off a lot more of his pace and, and speed and explosiveness. He's definitely got that pace. I think off halfback, he maybe didn't show it as much. But in the midfield, it was a bit more mm. exciting there. And, you know, I think that there is something that you can see a bit of stealing I think in this guy because of mm. the raw attributes that he has, um, you know, we look at the midfield and what we need, we need pace. We need guys who can use the football well. And and while he maybe didn't have that full gear of, okay, he's a midfielder ready to go straight into that position. When you're looking at his strengths and he's got the pace, he's got the foot skills, he finds the ball. I think that that's what I'm excited to see that he's demonstrated those raw skills, those raw traits. Yeah. And Austin and Code know these guys better than anyone. Their draft track record has been incredible. So when we cl- yeah. when we lack those kind of skills and Wilson's got those in spades, I think that's sort of what I'm really excited about. And I know what you're asking because I've talked him up a bit, but why did me and so many others rate him so low? And why mm-hmm. did we choose him above others and kind of, Touched on it a little bit, but I think, you know, while he does have that breakaway speed, he didn't probably utilize it as much off halfback because he sort of looked to use the, the foot skills by first. He was that kind of, I've got the ball. I'm looking to use my uh, my my kicking to transition out rather than that kind of tuck the ball under the arms and just take the game on. And I think compared to some of the other defenders in this draft class, he maybe lacked that little standout quality because, there's sort of the three three things for those halfbacks. It's sort of that speed, which is the run and carry. You've got the yep. foot skills, and then you've got the intercept ability. And he definitely had the kicking. He probably didn't show the pace as much where some of the others were really exciting with the way that they'd take the game on, just running through players. And others had that maybe intercept ability where they mm. kind of rated them a little bit higher. It was a very deep draft as far as those kind of halfback intercept players. And then I guess in the midfield, half a season maybe isn't that sample size big enough that a lot of clubs look at and go, okay, we know he can now do this at the AFL level. It's hard to sometimes see what's translatable where they do kind of see these guys playing. And when he, you know, he's not that guy that went in and went, got 30-odd possessions, kicked a couple of goals, and you go, great, this guy's mm. a midfielder, absolutely set. Instead, he probably just showed off those little flashes of his strengths. And yep. like I mentioned with that pace, um, but what probably excites me, and I haven't covered the draft for a very, very long time. It's probably only been the last three or four years that I've really tried to dive into it. And so mm. what I'm learning and the big thing I keep trying to grow every season is look at the skills that I guess are translatable from under 18 footy to the AFL. Cause it's very easy to watch a kid play footy and go, Oh, this guy's, electric this guy is unreal but then all of a sudden they take that step and you just never see what you saw whether it was they weren't tall enough or that kind of skill just doesn't translate because of the 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 contested side of the game or whatever it may be but one thing that Mm. does excite me is that this guy was just known as the accumulator you know no matter where you put him he'd have no issue finding the ball and constantly being involved in the game when he was playing halfback you'd always see him win the footy in the midfield he was doing it as well and i for me that's something you can't really teach just that footy iq knowing where to be and winning the football and that's something that for me does definitely translate to afl um that i'm definitely excited about so yeah Mm. for me ability to win the ball stay engaged in the play he's got the pace he's got the foot skills definitely has a lot to work on and will take some time to develop but i think yeah just those raw attributes and with that scope to build and develop 
he's got something that we currently lack. And yeah, very excited to see what uh, yeah. these Nick Austin and Cole have really earmarked in this guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth in terms of Austin and the team. Like we, yeah, there's no reason right now for us to not back their judgment with something mm. like this. So I love your analysis and it's exciting. Hopefully he'll be able to have a Bins-esque kind of yeah. season in the in the VFL next year and just, yeah, dominate and, and show why, um, you know, that they believe in him. 100%. Uh, and then one more. So then we get to the rookie draft. We got a second Carol. That was yes. confusing. Oh, they, I loved that the social media team were across it as well with the second Carol, another Matt with a C name that's similar to Cottrell. True, There's too many. True. We've got to figure this out. Um, but yeah, yeah, Matt Carroll comes in 188 centimeters, 81 kilos from the Sandy Dragon. So looks like we're mm-hmm. picking from some really well established uh, clubs. The Sandy Dragons, Danny Nong Stingrays. Teams that seem to just to keep developing great talent every single year, yeah. get a lot of kids drafted. And this was a bit more of your general defender. Someone we were really linked with as well. So this one maybe wasn't a massive, massive surprise. And I'll go through him because I don't think a lot of people know a lot about him. He is a left-footed yeah. defender. And I would say really well-rounded defender. He's someone that loves to get the ball moving, whether it is by foot or using a bit of his pace to rebound. Uh, equally, I think what I do love about him, it's his ability to defend and lock down. Uh, that's been really one of his impressive attributes that. throughout the year. He's height at 188 centimeters as well, along with his leap and a bit of speed. He's really good on the ground, but then it allows him to kind of play that tall or small. I'm thinking, and, and don't hate me for this, for this comparison. As I said, I hate player comparisons, but I try to make it easier it's kind of like a Lockie Plowman that. that he's looking to fill on the list. Um, and it's basically just because of that. Like if you're looking at our depth chart at the moment, we've got a lot of sort of small rebounding, quick defenders. We've got some tall guys. We don't really have maybe someone that's known for a bit more of their defensive qualities that can do a bit of both. And so for me, I think Matt Carroll really sort of lands in that. And his best was really good. Um, it's just that he probably showed that more in sort of glimpses and patches rather than just being that consistent superstar player throughout the year, which is why he goes in the rookie draft and not the national draft. For me, he's definitely more yeah. of that project player. He's got, again, those raw traits, versatility in defense. And I think what probably hampers him why he went so late is he didn't, it's that kind of jack of all trades, master of none to be a little bit, I guess, rude towards him in that, he was just really solid in every single area, but didn't really have that one area where you go, mm-hmm. oh, wow, this is the standout. And when you're looking at the draft, trying to rank a lot of these kids, teams just tend to look for someone who has that one real key strength. In it. Maybe if he was a really stronger rebound defender by foot or, or had something that was his real key point of difference, you'd see him go a lot higher. But that kind of excites me that he is just this already well-rounded player that, yeah, he's going to take a bit of time to develop. But if he's got that really strong base where he can defend, he can move the ball a little bit more, I think it's a really strong player to put some time into. Um, and, yeah, he's he's got that speed. He's got that ball use. And that's just another thing that we've clearly looked to target in the offseason. Mm. And, you know, as I, I mentioned earlier with Billy Wilson, you know, we've been asking for that sort of, smaller defender that can lock down, but also looking at the yeah. age profile, you know, Newman, Saad, 
Williams, they've all started totally. to, to, to get on. We need that next crop coming through. Not to say these guys are going to retire next year, but you've always mm-hmm. got to regenerate the list, look at who's coming through. And I almost have him as that Nick Newman-esque kind of replacement in you know five or so years. And at the rookie selection, yep. it's such low risk. This guy could be on the list for a couple of years. He might not develop and, oh, well, you took a yeah. punt. But, yeah, we don't have that lockdown small that can maybe play a bit higher, that is that defensive first, but still can move the ball and is a good user by foot. So for me, as far as a, a suiting a need, someone you can throw on the list for a couple of years, I think it's well worth the punt. Totally. Yeah, no, I don't have too much to add to that. I think we, I felt like we both were pretty comfortable with the guys that, made mm. way for the list spots this year like you know guys that have had a bit of a crack and just want some fresh blood in there so mm. why not let's see what matt can do with a few years of development um and speaking of those years of development i feel like this is always the thing that's on my mind around the draft time because god the the depth chart is looking pretty mm. hot right now where do you see these guys fitting this year mm. Particularly Ashton and Billy, do you think? Do you think we'll see them this year? If I remember correctly, so it was just it was just Cowan and Holland's last season that made debuts, right? Bins didn't get a go. Yeah. So, do you think we'll see both Ashton and Billy this year? Mm. What's your prediction? It's going to be very interesting. Uh, definitely to just touch on him. Yeah, I think Carol will take some years. I do not expect to be seeing him at all, particularly because we've got no. depth in those positions. Uh, Billy Wilson, I reckon will have that kind of, hopefully that binge year where you don't have to play him. He can just develop. I also, from where I sort of see his under 18 year to a bins, I also have him a little bit, I guess, behind in yeah, yeah, yeah. just his level. I-, I was really impressed with Jackson bins last yeah, year. Felt he was a little bit more ready to go, but wouldn't surprise me if, because he's played a lot of that halfback, I know wings are pretty sorted and obviously Bins takes that spot above him. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets, you know, one or two games, start him on the wing, start him on the outside just to get a little taste of it. But looking at our list currently, we really don't need to be playing a lot of these kids. We can just allow them to develop. We've got enough depth really in all these positions. We don't need to throw these guys in. We've got other players that can play those roles. So I really, it would surprise me if Billy Wilson does play and that's not a knock on him. That's not saying that he's not good enough to just that we don't need to even bins played so well VFL all year. We wanted him to come in at at stages, just didn't need to. And I think Moya definitely, has a higher scope to play that role. Just when you're looking, I guess, at our depth chart in that front half, there is some obviously some talent there. It's just a little bit more wide open, I think, for competition. Like you know, Jack Martin right is in that kind of mold. Can you still trust Martin to play a full season? Same with Cunningham. No Silvani's had a couple of issues as well throughout the year. Fantasia. Uh, as another, there is a, a bunch of players that have some injury issues throughout. And uh, along with that, when you're looking at, you know, always Durden, I think throw Fogarty into that. Like how many of these guys are nailed on best 22? You can count on them every single week to know that, yes, they're in our best team to win us a flag. It's still up in the air, I think, for a few of these players, which is maybe scope for Ashton to come in and play. But weirdly, yeah. I have, you know, I would say if he plays one or two games this season, that's unreal. Otherwise, just let him play in the twos. We're at this stage finally as a club, maybe like a a Sydney and Geelong have for years, 
let these guys have two or so years in the VFL and then all of a sudden when they're primed and ready to go, been dominating, then you can just throw them into AFL exactly. level and the whole whole AFL goes, where the hell did this guy come from? Did they pick him up this year? Oh, he's been on their list for three years. All of a sudden he's ready to go. It's, it's an exactly. exciting time, I think, for us where we can really work on the development. We don't have to rush. If we throw him in for a couple of games to get a taste, maybe like a Lockie Cowan, great, go for it. But... Uh, I for me, it's just let them play in the VFL. So I don't really expect any of these guys to play next year just out of mm. we've got enough talent for me that we don't have to. But Ashton would be the one that yeah. if he ends up playing five or so games this season or if he even comes into the starting lineup all year, wouldn't surprise me because he definitely has that real high-end talent when at his best. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I remember a year ago we were kind of saying that same thing for the first time about mm. – we felt like we were getting into that position and obviously it didn't turn out that way. Holland's mm. played a massive role this year, which was awesome. But yeah, it finally feels like we're in that right spot. Exactly mm. like you said, we can we can play the right guys now and let these guys develop properly, which is great. And um, so, yeah, it was. I very much enjoyed watching the first round of the draft, particularly after uh, hearing you speak on it. And so I had a fair few guys in my head as I were, you know, getting ticked off. It's like, okay, it's not going to be him, not going to be him. So was there anyone Was there anyone that you felt kind of like, ah, like we just missed them before we took them or yeah. anyone that kind of stood out as someone that you, maybe if you had your Austin hat on, you would have taken? Mm. It was probably that Billy Wilson pick that surprised me a little bit. I think going into the draft, I wasn't very high on us picking him with our second selection. Uh, mm. which is just because when when I'm looking at where I sort of ranked players personally, I thought there was yep. still a lot of talent available and I was maybe hoping a guy like Billy Wilson could be picked up. Maybe is that rookie spot or, or whatever mm-hmm. you try to do later. Uh, so for me, the one guy I really was hoping to pick up who was available, who went the next pick after the Billy Wilson selection was oh. Cooper Simpson, ended up going yeah. to Frio. He, he was, yeah, probably the guy I'd really earmarked as someone I was definitely hoping us to get. Uh, he's a 181-centimeter midfielder from Dandenong Stingrays. And mm-hmm. reason I was kind of eyeing him off was I thought we lacked a bit in that midfield depth. I really wanted us to address that. He had a bit of pace yeah. about him, a bit of burst away, really clean hands, and could also you know, hit the scoreboard. He was that player that it looks like Austin has sort of earmarked as Billy Wilson. <laughs> so that kind of is the interesting component there where I maybe saw Wilson as more of that. He's just going to be that halfback kind of player. So I wanted a yeah. midfielder. But if, I mean, if Austin is looking at Wilson being that pacey outside adding to the midfield crop, then look, it, he, he's going to know this a lot more than me, so it's hard for me to really criticize his selection. But uh, yeah, Cooper Simpson definitely was that midfielder I was looking at. And then because I assumed that uh, Billy would be a bit more of a defender, it was probably then guys like an Archie Roberts who I had earmarked who really was someone okay. that struggled to get selected, ended up going pick 54, someone that most had projected a mm. lot higher in the draft, I think I had him. Uh, where I'm just trying to look at my rankings. I had him 26, Archie Roberts. Wow, so okay. going a lot later in that, end up going to Essendon. He was a bit more of that really good ball use intercept defender uh, that I thought could help our defense out. Maybe be that Matt Carroll selection, that Nick Newman kind of replacement 
the other as mm. well, looking at pace to, to run off that halfback. Another Essendon selection. So unfortunately, Essendon's picked up all the guys I wanted, which uh, maybe isn't the best for me to now have to hate these guys completely. Uh, but it was Lumon Luel, who was someone that just had that real... He was the sort of grab the ball, tuck under the arm, and just take the game on by trying to run through everyone. That real Adam Saad kind of aspect that I thought maybe we could utilize in defense. But now that you start to listen to the way Austin spoke about these players, you start to understand what they're looking at as much as I maybe wanted them. And I think Cooper Simpson's still someone I would have maybe taken over Billy Wilson just because where they Mm. are right now. I can definitely understand why we took the players we did. And I do quite like the selections in the end. But yeah, probably Cooper Simpson's the one that if I could could have made the selection, that would have been Mm. it. But, you know, you wait and see. Ten years' time, Cooper Simpson's never played a game of (laughs) AFL footy. Billy Wilson's the captain of the Carlton (laughs) and uh, won about three Brownlows and will scrub this video from the internet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Let's let's earmark that and and see how we go. And then you can either... Yeah, it's really win-win. We either just remove mm. this from the internet or you can use this on your uh, your interview, your list management <laughs> interview, which would be good. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the draft, I guess. Mm. Definitely. And we, we've spoken about it a lot. That first night was very, very long. There was a lot of picks taken. So I want to almost take a bit mm. of the Carlton lens off for a little bit. I want to get your thoughts. Yeah. This has been a hot topic about the Academy bids, the father-sons. Obviously, there were all those sort of concession and uh, free agency compo picks, all of that kind of nonsense that made this first round blow out to pick 29. Mm. There were 29 picks in the first round. Only 35 more picks were taken after the first round, which is kind of insane when you think about it. If you if you thought the first round was 18 in your head and 35 are taken after that, it's insane. So what are your kind of thoughts, if you mm. have any, on, I guess, how compromised the draft is, how it's going, and your, your sort of thoughts on how these academy bids are, are working out. I'm definitely very keen to hear your perspectives on these because mm. I don't feel super passionately about them. I think one of the things for me, like I saw some of the discourse on social media mm. about like how, you know, a first round pick should be more of like a important glorified thing like oh like a pick 29 the first round that's ridiculous i don't really get that that aspect of it like i don't know i I always find it a bit strange like even when you and i are kind of talking about Mm. things and we're like oh this player is probably worth a first round pick yeah it's like that is such a broad thing and this isn't just an Mm. afl thing as well it's the same in the nba where they'll talk about a first round pick well the difference between pick one and pick 29 Mm. is massive so that kind of just using that kind of verbiage never really stands out to me but i'm i'm excited to hear or excited mm. maybe not the right word i'm keen to hear what you you think about the academy stuff particularly yeah. father son for me i think is a really great unique mm. part of our game um and i don't necessarily have a massive problem with the system and, and how that works with the bidding and and the like but academy um mm. is a bit more of a, a a part that I don't really understand fully. Mm. So I don't know how much it's actually compromising the, the whole league. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's tough because it blows out so much 29 picks first round. It's not great. And I agree. I think father sons in isolation. I love it. I don't have an issue with it. It really, it feels as if all these things only ever rear their head when it becomes a big thing higher up in the draft. Like no one really yeah. cared about father sons 
all of a sudden until, you know, Dacos is becoming the first pick in the draft kind of thing. And then you're going, oh, no, like the, the best talent here, same with Ashcroft. It's like, okay, we've had a couple mm-hmm. years now where the best talent in the draft is a father-son already going to be chosen by another team. But how many years does that really happen? Like, it, yeah. you look at every other year, how many times was the overall number one player a father-son? So I feel it's, it's hard to really do much with that. And I love that we do have it. I think it's such a cool thing to, I guess, reward. Uh, it's a weird kooky part of our game that I'm happy to keep. I'm like, father-sons, you're going to get an outlier, go for it. Uh, the academy is the interesting, really interesting bit. Again, it feels like it's been a bit of an anomaly. We had this sort of NGA pick, which is basically the academies to try and really quick fire, go through this without going into it too yeah. much. There's almost like a couple of different kinds of academies. So basically there's the northern ones that Sydney, Gold Coast, Brisbane, GWS all have, which right. basically wherever a bid comes in, they can match it. Because we're trying yep. to grow the game in markets that that aren't really football markets. Compared to Victoria, South Australia, WA, where the number one sport is footy, trying to get someone yep. to play footy, really easy. Everyone's doing it. So they're trying to really pump money into these academies, try and get players that maybe wouldn't have played AFL unless this academy existed. So for them, they can match a yep. bid anywhere. Whereas everyone else, it's like the NGA academy, you can only match a bid if the player falls outside pick 40. That's the system. Basically, it was after Jamara Hagen was being able to get that bid matched, kind of changed the whole system. So now only the Northern Academies for those uh, New South Wales and Queensland teams still can match bids elsewhere. And I think that yeah. that's a good thing. I think when you're really breaking it down and the access to talent that these guys do have because of that, then, and you're looking at the go-home factor, all of these things you hear all the time in the draft. How many players always want to leave these interstate teams and go to Victoria or go to South Australia, go to WA? When do you ever hear someone's like, I want to go back to New South Wales? You don't because there's no one from New South Wales. So I think that that's an area point. where we, we do need to keep strengthening and, and allowing these guys to build the academies, particularly when you're looking at like your mm. Gold Coast, your GWA that they don't have access to father-sons either because they're so new. So they don't have that facet well, of yeah. the game. So I think allowing these guys a mechanism that kind of helps them a little bit more than other clubs is a good thing. It's probably just how the bids are getting matched. So I think for me, when yeah, I am... I, was say that. I just don't love that with the point system we have, you can match a bid that would be, say, pick four with a bunch of picks that are, let's say, they're all Mm -hmm. third-rounders. You've got the every single pick in the third round that you've traded, and now you can manipulate it that way. I feel like that's where we need to change this. I don't know particularly what it is. Do we need to make it? If you want to match a bid, let's say it's pick five, you need to have a pick that is within 10 places of that plus the points to bid. That way... Yep. Pick five's value kind of kept at it at that. And you're not going to have something where the doggies, they know that they're say, I know this is different with their father son, but this is kind of the example that I don't love where they know that he's going to go in that first round. Their pick is a little bit around that. Basically their selection is going to be where Jordan Croft is going to get selected. So they mm-hmm. end up getting rid of that. They trade up above to get Gold Coast pick that Gold Coast don't need because they don't want to be losing that. They want some better value. 
all of a sudden the doggies get their early pick, then they get their father son, and Gold Coast has gotten rid of a pick that they don't need, and it just starts to get really convoluted. So I think there needs to be maybe With a bit you. of a change in how you're matching bids, just so we don't get you know pick fives going for picks. 70, pick 34, pick 28, and you're just bundling all these nothing picks that no one wants anyway to allow you to get those players. I feel like that's the mechanism that maybe needs to be shifted. But I don't know. How many years has Gold Coast had academy selections that have been really high? That's the thing. Like, is this an outlier? Is this only mm. going to be the season that they happen to have four in the top, you know, 30 or so? Maybe. Because mm. I, I can't recall how many yeah. amazing Gold Coast players they've had. Um, but probably just that. That's my kind of yeah. thing I think I'd change, if anything. I like that. I think uh, you're going to run me through the our off-season plan after this episode. And if one of them is a one-hour brainstorm of us <laughs> fixing that system, I'm more than happy yeah. to uh, get into yeah. the nitty-gritty. Because I think it is very interesting. I think there's lots of different ways I could go mm. with it. Yeah. And I, th- I think the bigger thing that I'll touch on really, really quickly that annoys me about the, mm. probably the first round blowing out so much that I think can be quickly changed. It's just the free agency compensation. If you just get oh, rid of that, yeah, which I think we all agree on, like why reward someone who can't broken. keep a player? Um, You get rid of that and all of a sudden the first round doesn't blow out as much because North don't get 10,000 compensation picks. St. Kilda don't get theirs. And all of a sudden it's a bit fairer. First round isn't as compromised and you're able to get access to those sort of top-end talents, which I think is is yeah. very, very fair. But that's enough talking about that. Give me your thoughts Love on it. it, those listening. What are your, what are your thoughts yeah, on the bidding and the compromise draft? Because next year's going to be like that as well. There's a lot of father-sons coming through. We've got two of them. So watch them change the rules just as we are about to exploit it for once. Uh, but give me your thoughts in the comments on YouTube or at socials at Navy Blue Corner. And also give me your thoughts on who we drafted. What did you think? Did you Were you happy with Austin's business? Would you have liked us to get someone else? Very keen to have some discussions in the comments here or on whatever social media you interact with mm-hmm. us from. And hey, don't even have to search for it at Navy Blue Corner. It's in the show notes in the description. So just click the link there and good. engage with us. But let's go back to Carlton. Now we've brought the players in. Let's try and take a little bit of a look towards the next season. Let's have a look oh, at a lovely updated depth chart which we always absolutely love so i kind of want to break this down get your thoughts on this. it if you agree if you're on if you're listening to this in podcast form there's a great visual of this that'll be on your screen on youtube if this ends up making this section a little bit easier to comprehend but this is another one i want your engagement with if there's a player that you think should be rated higher on here or lower or in a different position this is where the discussion can be had because we also want to see if there's any other list holes that maybe we did not deal with in the offseason that maybe makes our offseason not as good as we tried to go towards our 17th premiership in 2024. But let's... Oh, my God. Lock it in. Let's go into it. So key defenders uh, in green, all of these are basically best 22. Then you've got the yellow is your kind of fringe. And then that sort of orangey color is going to be your extra depth or developing youth players. So let's look at it. Let's see how strong we are. Jacob Wiedering and McGovern, I kind of have as my two key defenders. I know Mm -hmm. I copped a bit of flack in the comments on one of the other videos saying McGovern isn't really a key defender. And I do agree with you to an extent with that one. But in the weird way that we kind of have our defense structured at the moment, it's really Wiedering, Gov, and then you've got either Kemp or Marchbank 
So for me, I'm saying that McGovern yeah. is almost your second key defender because we're not playing you. anyone else there. Uh, depth for that is Lewis Young as your next, and then you got Durden there as you're developing. Kemp is who I have as that starting third tall. Marchbanks Agreed. there, ready to play. And then you got Dom as the developing. What are your kind of thoughts on the sort of taller key defensive stocks there, Lockie? Not a lot of change. It's uh, mm. That's where we're at. And, I mean, it's... We can talk about this. I mean, I guess this is what the depth chart is for. Who knows how many games we get out of guys like Gov and, and Marchy mm. this season? Fingers crossed it it's like last year and we keep this uh keep this mm. health up and and those three just kind of put it together with Marchy as the the fourth guy. And we did see a bit of uh, you know, the team playing with all four mm. of them as well, which could happen, but I like yeah. where you've put this here. Yeah, I think you're going to find that depending on the opposition, we might have a few of these guys floating in and out the way it's going to be played. But I thought, let's keep it simple. Let's go the two. Let's go the other one, sort of third Great. tall, and then the other defenders. But, yeah, I think there's probably scope, and we probably didn't address it here, but maybe another key defender somewhere, just maybe because I don't trust Dom's development just yet, the injuries like you mentioned, where's Lewis Young's development at, came from a really good season to a pretty poor one last year. Is mm. there scope for that potentially? But there really wasn't many people that I think were obvious to bring in. So I think they're happy with that for now. We'll see how mm -hmm. it plays out. General defenders is where we are stacked. Saad, Williams, Newman, Boyd, and then I got Ching oh, yeah, Cotter as that fringe at the moment is maybe the controversial one, but I just thought Boyd mm. probably adds a little bit more, a little bit more ceiling as well. But we're going to see a lot of change throughout this. And then Cowan and Carroll as those kind of next players coming through. Thoughts, Lockie? Yeah, you definitely could argue Ching Cotter above Boyd on that depth chart, but I'm with you as well. And I mean, Cowan, they've got him mm. in, the, uh, in the new jersey. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he starts pushing yeah. as well. But mm. it, this feels like one of our strongest parts on the field in mm. terms of depth. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think Cowan's someone I'm still, you know, long-time listeners know I'm very high on this guy. Oh, and you love the When move. he finally comes in, I think he can kind of add to this where he can play a little bit taller. Maybe he swings a little bit into that third defender. But we got time to develop these, these kids, which is very, very exciting. Uh, this is probably my... Biggest problem area looking at the rucks. De Koning's my number one. Pitt is number two. And you got the development there of O'Keefe and Murkov as your kind of next few there. Lockie, very interested to hear what you think on the rucks. Do we have enough? Do you throw Silvani into the depth chart? I was what just going to say. What do you make of the ruckman? I was going to say that exact comment. No love for Sauce as a uh, as a ruck mm. depth man. Well, Lewis Young. <laughs> Lewis Young, does he go into the depth exactly. chart? Exactly. Exactly. Gosh, we just have this discussion every year, don't we? TDK and Pitt. What mm. is the go there? It's, uh, yeah, you, you'd, you'd like to think that we have one more guy on the list in this spot, mm. but, ah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's such a hard worry. thing because if we, it, like, if it's like an established guy, an established mm. Ruckman that we bring in, so either they're better than TDK or Pitt, which mm. means, the entire season Pitt is playing in the twos if everyone's healthy. That feels kind of strange. Or do we bring in an established guy that's not as good as either of them? That also feels a bit unlikely. Like why would someone mm. come to Carlton knowing that they're the third if they're an established Ruckman? Yeah. You know? So it's like, well, mm. then we've got to get the developing guy. And we've already got two developing guys. Yeah, it's strange. It's a strange lineup. I think the development of De Koning in the second half of the year, particularly even finals, 
he is well and truly now my number one. Incredibly excited for oh, him. Yeah. And I still think Pitt was playing injured for most of the season. I really want to see what he can do if he is yeah. 100% ready to go. It, seeing how strapped his knee was for the you know finals True. campaign, I was like, I don't know if these guys ready to go. Will be a weird one if they do get rid of the sub and just make it an extra man on the bench. Yeah. I reckon you'll start to see like a lot that. of teams just go with the two rucks and it probably allows us a bit more flexibility in that area to deal with it in that sense. But I do agree it's an odd ruck kind of setup because you've then just got two really raw guys in Murkov and O'Keefe being that developing piece. I would love mm-hmm. to have just one other person on this list, maybe instead of a Murkov, which is really maybe yeah. harsh to see, but I just don't see his development there currently. He's now got the health issue as well. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if come the start of the season, he may be, I don't know. I don't, I'm not. I'm just speculating clearly, but mm. if his health isn't still 100% and you end up putting him on the long-term injury list or something, opens up a list spot, that wouldn't surprise me because it's such a serious thing. You don't want to mess around totally. with the heart at all and you're taking no risk with that completely. But I, I don't know. I, I think I'd probably yeah. prefer us to have maybe a bit more of a veteran ruck, someone who yeah. maybe got delisted or just someone who's more AFL ready to go. That way, if De Koning's injured or Pitanek gets injured, who's had some troubles battling through, we're not having to throw Silvani or Lewis Young in because I don't think Hudson yeah. or, or Murkov are ready. And I would just like to have a breaking case of emergency. Someone else there. Uh, just in case. Yeah. Uh, but I do understand that that then maybe hampers the development of these guys in the twos because you're taking time away from them. So it's a tough balance, but depth-wise, it's still probably somewhere we lack just that one extra ready-made body. Could be uh, a mid-season job. Who knows? Looking to the midfield, this is somewhere we lost a bit of depth. We lost an Ed Kerno, a Dow. You could maybe throw Fisher into this as well. But mm-hmm. I think the, the top end of this this list is incredible. Cripps, Walsh, Chera, Hewitt, throw Doherty into that as well. Best and unfortunately, I've got Kennedy just outside of that best 22 at the moment. Uh, that's maybe controversial from me. Then the next few guys there as the depth, Elijah Hollands, Jack Carroll, and throw Billy Wilson into this. Do you think we've mm. uh, replaced enough in the depth chart, knowing that we've unfortunately had some really bad luck the last two seasons with a lot of injuries, a midway, end of the season, having to throw uh, the sort of magnets around a little bit with who goes through this position. Now we've yeah. lost a couple of that, never really replaced Setterfield. Now Dow and, and Kerno are gone. Are you, are you happy with the replenishment of the midfield? I am happy. I mean, you make a good point about the magnets. Like, there's a bunch of guys that you that have played midfield roles that aren't mm. in this list right now, like Fogarty, like Cunningham. Like, they're guys that were getting pretty consistent goes in the midfield when they were playing, mm. just kind of being all over the all over the place. Yeah, I don't think the Kennedy thing is that uh, is that hot a thing. I think I guess it's between him and Hewitt. Most yeah. people would say about who's up there. Um, Holland is super exciting. Mm-hmm. Like that's my that's my m- most exciting part for me is like would not be surprised if he finds a way to become best twenty two by the end of mm-hmm. this season. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's that's the thing. It's the it's the ceiling play. We knew we knew that uh, it was Ed Kerno's time. Dow, there was some believers left, but it didn't feel like he was going to mm-hmm. be um, a premiership mid. 
Yeah, it does feel like we can move the magnets around enough and cover this. And you just, again, you're hoping you don't have as many kind of freak injuries as we have had. And it's not as if these players are injury prone. It's just it's just what happens. You don't mm. expect to have, you know, Walsh, Chera, Kennedy, all these guys out at once. It shouldn't happen. And hopefully it doesn't happen. But yeah, Elijah Hollins yeah. is the exciting one to see how he can fit into this team. And do you have another year of Jack Carroll's development? Does he take that next step? Yeah in there and i think it's enough and you're gonna get some injuries here or there so kennedy being at next in he's gonna be playing a fair chunk of footy because you're gonna hopefully also be able to manage the team in the second half of the season where if cripsy is looking a bit battered just take him out for a couple of games will your top four that's sewn up then kennedy can get his couple of games there uh and then yeah. moving on to the wingers we've got plenty here uh plenty i probably didn't even throw into this because there's so much depth yeah. in it but Akers and Hollands are kind of the, the main two there. You've got Doherty who can also play in that position. Cottrell is another that floats throughout. And obviously Jackson Bins is the, the next guy develop, developing, could find his way into the best 22 at some stage. You're very yeah. happy with the depth we have there now when it seemed a couple of years ago we had no one. Yeah. Well, I mean, on that topic, do you – give me – put your crystal ball on. Do you see, do you see Ollie Hollands as a kind of a – career wingman or can you see him becoming a mid i definitely see scope for him to move into the midfield in the next couple of years particularly because that's what he did in his uh like under 18 career he was sort of splitting it between both it's obviously just so light frames that it might take a couple of years for him to do it but he's the way he tackles the way he attacks the footy it's definitely scope for him to do it just give him a couple more years. It wouldn't surprise me if this year we start to see a little bit of it in flashes. Me too. Uh, me too. But it's the really exciting thing that he can do a bit of both. And we've got Cherith and Walsh that can rotate on the wing. Cunningham can float up there if you need him to. Uh, yeah. And then you've got, you know, Camper Rally twins coming through next year that can also play on the wing. Like there's, there's yes. plenty of players that can rotate through here. And I like that it's, it's not a rotate through the fact that, oh, we've got no wingers, you can maybe play that position. No. Oh, you can play wing. You can also play somewhere else. We're sorted. Uh, so it's very positive in that exactly. sense. Probably the other position, apart from Ruck, that I don't love the depth in is probably the key forwards. Uh, Charlie Kernow and Harry Mackay, obviously so far away and ahead of anyone else, even in the league as far as the best buddy forwards in there. Tom DeConing, I've got as that next kind of piece as a key forward in there, yep. particularly from what I saw uh, in the finals, kicking those couple of goals against Melbourne really stood up. Then it's really just mm-hmm. Harry Lemmy, Hudson O'Keefe kind of playing that ruck forward split as well. You could maybe throw Sylvani into that if you'd need to. It's kind of where he's played as the next there. Mm. Key forwards, take me through it, Lockie. Yeah, this is my my column of concern more than, more than rucks personally, mm. mainly just because of how... I think an injury here affects our whole team structure. Yeah. Like I don't want to speak it into existence at all, but I, for me, Charlie's the guy on our team who I'd least like to see mm. missing games. I just feel like the the run-on effects of that for what it would mean for Harry to be the number one guy again without another big kind of option next to him. It just, it's mm. scary. So it would be nice for one of those uh orange tabs to be a guy where you feel a bit more confident that they could come mm. in and do the role properly. 
I guess you could say Jay Sauce, but it's just not really him. Yeah. So let's just pray for good health mm. in this position for our um for number seventeen. Yeah, you've really explained that so perfectly with the way I think about it. It's yeah, you get one injury and all of a sudden you're throwing someone else out of a position to play there yeah. just because Lemmy and O'Keefe just aren't ready to really take that mantelpiece and it's tough. It's hard to bring someone in to the club that is, I guess, somewhat AFL ready because who's that's coming in to play behind in, those it? two? And that's why I think that Brody McLaughlin was the guy I was earmarking who got delisted from Gold Coast. He was tied as the highest goal kicker in the VFL as someone that, look, he's, he's old enough to jump in and play some football. Um, but he's been delisted, so it's fine. He's not expecting to play. Uh, so that's kind of the guy I had earmarked if we yeah. had a list spot, and maybe we could have used that Matt Carroll spot instead, and I still think that's probably where I would have looked at just because I think that sure, depth-wise sure. we needed it a little bit more. But uh, they obviously have faith that things are going to work out and that they've got enough players to come in. Yeah, my concern is just you get an injury and you're taking to coning out of the ruck or you're taking – uh, you're playing a bit yeah. smaller, but I don't know. Maybe, and I'll Gov just forward, had this thought like now. Maybe this is where us bringing in an Ashton Moyer, having Jack Martin fit, bringing in Fantasia, we can almost change up the way that forward line works. You've seen the mm-hmm. success that teams like Collingwood have had with playing a bit of a smaller forward line. Melbourne have been able to do it to an extent as well with some of their smalls. Maybe we can do that because we have bought in a few of these mid-sized players. Maybe won't we won't totally. have as many issues. But yeah, definitely an interesting mm. thing. Worst case, there is an injury. Uh, and now, yeah, general and half and small forwards. Uh, very uh, exciting. I feel like we've got a lot of depth here, but maybe not the bona fide locked-in best twenty-twos yet. It's a lot up for totally. conjecture, which is going to be fun. Very keen to get your thoughts on who's best twenty-two. Uh, looking at Jack Martin, Cottrell, and Cunningham. Next, I've kind of got your Silvani. And then we don't really know, I guess, yeah. where Elijah Hollands fits, where he is best, I guess, position and ability-wise. Fogarty, a bit stiff to be this far down. I think I'm just looking at ceiling <laughs> for every other player. If Fogarty yeah. comes in, I don't have an issue, but he probably just isn't as flashy as the others. And then Ashton Moyer, I'm just allowing him to develop down there. And then you've got in the yep. small forwards, Motlop and Owies with Fantasia, stiff to be fringe. But I just want to see it first before I have him mm-hmm. above always. But that can be a quick fix. Durden is very well in contention as well. And then I've thrown Fogarty in that yep. because we know he can kind of play both. What are your thoughts on, I guess, that <laughs> best 22 fringe? Who's kind of in the mix? And where do you see them going into the season? So fascinating. So many different ways that people could structure these rankings, I feel like. Like Fogarty... I definitely agree on kind of talent and as good of a player as he is kind of being here, but we've seen that the club likes the role that he can play and how he brings something different to these guys. So super interesting. Mm. Um, I'm so with you with Fantasia, but I would not be surprised in the slightest if he plays in the first game, if Mm. he just trains the house down in the preseason and and he's just going to, yeah, bring Mm. again something a little bit different. So... Yeah, it's a it's a very mm. exciting little section here. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out and we can reflect on this. Mm. Like the Motlop always Durden debate, even just with those three, mm. I feel like all fans have a different kind of way that they see them right now yeah. and then in the next few years as well. 
Mm. Yeah, I've definitely probably got Motlop a little bit above all of those. And then, but I can definitely see if Fantasia's fit and back to the form he played a couple of years ago, he becomes number one, you know, all of a sudden. And then it's almost a battle of, well, what's the makeup? How many of these mid-size half forwards are we having? How many smalls are we playing? Does Durden Mm. take that next step? And yeah, I I love the touch on Fogarty there because while if you're just naming a player, who would I rather have? Yeah, it's probably Cunningham. But if the role that Fogarty has allows someone else to play better, then like the way we saw at the back end of last year, then Fogarty's in that team. And so it's such an interesting debate. I'm very keen to have it in the comments and see what you guys think. Who's going to be in that best 22? But yeah, if I was to say um, sort of like one last recapping thought, Lockie, on the depth and how the list sits now that we've had all the acquisitions happen, how are you feeling about the team going into 2024? Definitely never felt more confident about a Carlton team in our lives. It yeah. feels like it, it just feels like it's our time to me. So it's very exciting. It does. And I want to get you quick. I know we've touched on them a little bit, but I want to get your real thoughts quickly on Fantasia. I want to go yeah, a bit yeah, deeper yeah. because kind of definitely knew all your thoughts about Holland's everything else. Fantasia was the one that came out of nowhere. What yeah. do you make of his acquisition? Are you excited? Are you starting to go, holy shit, we've got the best forward ever? Are you wary <laughs> yeah, of the injuries? Give me your thoughts because I think a lot of either don't trust him He's not going to play, or yeah. oh wow, what a bargain! We've brought in a superstar. Yeah, I'm not wary at all. I just considering yeah, you have to just take the whole situation into perspective. I think with these things, what we gave up to bring him in, mm. what, a Josh Honey list spot, like the list spot yes. of one of these guys that we delisted. Um, we know, and I know it has been a few years, is and that's the the first rebuttal, but. He has a track record. He has kicked bags of four and five mm. in games. He can take over a game in the forward line. Um, and we need goal kickers. Like I said, I just wouldn't be surprised mm. if without being in a new environment, the new staff, that it, it, maybe he just becomes a guy that mm. plays every game this season. And it's like the bargain mm. pickup of the year. And I think of a guy like Markov last year for Collingwood, I remember when when they picked him up. It's like he's not going to play. There's just I just don't see how mm. that's like it is so far down for them. Um, mm. But he had a role, and then once he got in, he couldn't get out. And I just don't see why that couldn't be the case for Fantasia with yeah. us. So such a low risk for a high reward for me. Exactly what I wanted us to do with mm. that spot. Yeah, I love it. I think it's good. And yeah, even like a Ching Cotter for us, a guy that. If he doesn't play, he doesn't true. play. All of a sudden, he plays most games That's for the so year true. and really carves out a great role in defense for us. And, Good yeah, point. I agree. It's such low risk. We gave up nothing. Would you rather Honey or Phil or Fantasia? And the only yes. thing I, I think I've mentioned in another episode is just it was the two years that was a little bit, oh, I'm not sure I love locking him in for two given his injury history. But when he's on no money, you would have had to have offered him too to bring him to the club. I just think it's such a a great pickup for loss of nothing. And as to the experience, we don't have anyone in that forward line who has experience that is at that age profile. Even if he doesn't play, yes. I think he's maybe got that leadership and, as I said, experience to teach the other guys the tricks of the trade, knowing how young Motlop and Durden are. And, and even in always sense, 
while he's not necessarily ridiculously young, he hasn't played a lot of football. So he's still got a bit to learn in that space. And if we didn't address the small yeah. forwards, I wouldn't have been ridiculously upset just hoping that, you know, Motlop and these guys do take that next step in 2024. Sure. Now that we have added to it in such a, you know, bargain basement way to do it, bring in Fantasia. If he is fit and if he can recapture any of that form, known goal kicker, it's what the list yep. needed. Gave away nothing. I just think, yeah, it's very smart business. Very, very happy with it. Yeah. The the two years is definitely a factor, but I know a guy that missed two years and then won two Coleman's. So <laughs> I think that's... That's all we need to hear for this one. So I'm pumped. I agree. So let's get into a fun bit, Lockie. We'll get into two more things we will cover before we wrap this cool. episode up. First one, I hope you're as much as of a jumper number nuffy as myself. I really, really am. He's great. So I love this because we've got a lot of changes and some new players to take up some numbers. Now, this season, we've had a lot of big numbers for those that are nuffies yes. like us. Up and available, you know, the twos yes. there, the four was available. You got the 25, the 43. Let's go through them one by one. So Lockie Cowan went from the 26 to the number two. Give me oh. a hot take on that one. <laughs> this was this was a big surprise. Uh, when As soon as I realized that Dow and O'Brien weren't going to be here anymore, these are the two numbers where I'm like, wow, what are they mm. going to do? Are they going to leave either of them open? Are they going to move someone in there or is a draftee going to get one of them? Mm. I'm glad they didn't go that route, but definitely surprised. I uh, I didn't think that this would happen, but now he's just got some big shoes to fill. These are William's shoes. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. I'm a bit, I'm a bit annoyed because poor David Reese-Jones, the hyphen, mm -hmm. he's, he's never really had anyone <laughs> good in his number 26. He finally has someone that I actually rate highly. Gets the number 26, and I'm like, oh, beautiful. This could not work better. Tazzy, little connection there as well. And then all of a sudden, he, he immediately goes out of the number, and no one even takes up the mantle no. of the great 26. So Vacant. a bit disappointed there. But, yeah, number two was not expecting that move. I, I need to see him in it because, I don't know, I'm the jumping nuffy where I almost like certain numbers for certain positions and player styles as well. And two doesn't really give me, I, 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 I don't know, maybe it does give me back pocket vibes to a degree, but I don't know if the way Lockie Cowan plays goes with the number two. However, I don't know. Sure. I like a guy that has a bit of the ambition to go, no, give me, give me the big number. Give me mm -hmm. the big spotlight. I want to take it. So yeah, I'm interested to see what he can do in the number two. Yeah. He's going to have to prove it now. Yep. Yeah. And then the big Ollie Hollands going from the 14 yeah, to the number this. four, which this is one of those, and maybe a Lockie Cowan as well, where if you ended up having the 26 or you had the 14, at least he's made it easy where you, you know, because sometimes you buy the True. jumper number, you get that going for this player, they change and you go, oh shit, well, who's taken my number? I don't want this guy anymore. All you have to do is get some black, some uh, navy blue tape, tape yep. off the, uh, the six or the one, and you've got the, the number ready to go. So I don't mind this from Ollie Hollands. Again, big balls for him to step up to the plate yep. and, and take the big number four. Good jumper sustainability. You're not wrong. Yeah, this one this one feels really good to me. Because like mm. I said before, I just got this feeling about him yeah. that the progression might just be even steeper than we expect. Mm. So get him in that four. Big Bryce Gibbs oh. style. 
I like it. Then we got Orazio taking up the 14. So if, if you did have the mm-hmm. Holland's number and you just want to go the bandwagon now, jump onto Fantasia, you definitely can. Interesting. I, I maybe didn't see him looking good in a 14, but I don't know. Maybe that's where right. he uh, he kicks his goals. What, what are your thoughts on that one? We'll see. It's a, a big shoes to fill uh, after Brad Fisher. So it's a, obviously an iconic number for that reason. We'll see. I don't think Fantasia, there's any number that he could look bad in, to be honest. I saw. I think he was wearing the 46 in his first year at Essendon when I was watching the highlights the other day, and he even looked good in that. So I'm happy with the 14. Mm, yeah, it and looks I guess like it's the he... highest vacant number, isn't it? I don't think there's a... Yeah, I think it would have been because he loved his number 13. So obviously yep. he's like, give me a teen. What's the next available? Yeah, I'll take the 14. I don't know. I just... It doesn't feel like a small forwards number. Again, this is my weird, I see these certain numbers as certain things. And 14 for me, maybe it's just because whenever I think 14, I see Brad Fisher. And I'm like, you're not him. You can't be him. <laughs> You'll you never get be out him. of that. You'll never be him. Get out, get that number out of your back. Uh, but no, I'm excited. It's, it is going to be a big one. You had to, you had to, you had to, it's the next highest number. It's probably what he had to do there. Now, big 20 is available. Big number. Speaking of big shoes to fill. Has taken it. Do you like this for big Elijah? If I had my druthers, I probably would have put Elijah in the 14. For oh, a bit yeah, of I mind that. Synergy. I like it. But I'm, ha- I'm happy with 20. Like I said, they're... Big shoes to fill with mm. with plow, um, you know. Um, I think you can do it. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I do love. I don't know. As soon as it said, what 20, was he wearing at at Gold Coast? Was it? 16? That is a great question. I could not actually tell you that, but he just. He, I don't know. The twenty. I haven't seen it yet on his back. 30, it feels 36. like that. He's got a bit of. A, this is going to come off and sound really, really rude, but he's got a bit of, you know, width to him in not a fat way, but like a broadness, <laughs> like a compo- so like a, really, he's got a bit around the stoppage, a bit of, you know, has that commands authority around it. And I we reckon the 20, the 20 adds to that. And I don't know, I like it. A bit of Fraser Brown, a bit of Jess Southby, get the, get the big 20 on him. And uh, yeah, hopefully he can fill those shoes nicely and have another I, change. Yeah. Don't come no, on his I, number. I, I take it back, actually. I don't like it because so he was wearing the thirty six at 36. Gold Coast, Ooh. and that's vacant. Vacant could have had it. Own it. Didn't want it. Nah, but he's got Just higher ambitions than that, so I'm I'm, I'm okay. Exactly. Now Jackson Bins has decided to get rid of the Jack Nunes number and go straight no. into the twenty five. Don't like, it. Don't don't like, like it. it. No, thirty two to twenty five. Not not significant enough of a change for mine. Not significant. He's taken one of the biggest jumper numbers in the bloody Carlton history. Big Jezza, big I Fev, understand that. big Zach Fisher. But what's wrong with 32? I know. I, th- I mean, look, I think the 32 did. Did you like this change? A lot. Well, okay. I... He hasn't played a game and, and he's going from 32 to 25. I love Binzi, but I want some more runs on the board before you, before you make a, a change like this. Please. Okay. Well, I will say that I I like the if if there's ever time to change your number and this is maybe the issue with an Ollie Collins is he's played a full season so now okay. he's got to play another hundred games to get his name on that locker where he'd already whittled point. away a couple on that fourteen so he's got to be hoping <laughs> that now whereas at least Binsey <laughs> yeah, sure. if there's ever a time to change 
That's a well, I haven't point. played a game yet, so I can do it. Very interesting, though, with uh, Benzie. I believe in his under-18 year, he was rocking the number four. So I reckon he's pretty awesome. annoyed there yeah. thinking, oh, gee, I could have had me number. That was what I was wearing. Give me the number four. But Sorry, I don't know. Fella. 25, it's again, I see 25 as your big key forward now because of what it's meant in the history or big player. Oh. I don't necessarily see 25 as a winger. Whereas the 32 kind of feels like it suits that style. But again, I, you know, he's coming in. He's got the balls to step up to the plate and say, no, I'm making the 25 my own. It's exciting. Mm. I, I like to see players okay. ambitious taking the big numbers. And I don't know. There is that other part of me that, because it, look, at the end of the day, the jumper number means nothing. But I do. What? Well, as in, it's not going to change the way. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to change the way they play. <laughs> and I and I do love the this is fact all or the thought of a player going, "Give me number 70, 78. I want to be the first player that you know gets a hundred games in that. I want to stand out as making sure. this my own, rather than me trying to fill the shoes of someone else." But on the other side of that, Binzi going, "No, give me the big numbers." And yeah, just I like, like Moo, I need him to now. Step up yeah. to the plate, and then I'll endorse it. And then we've got three that maybe are a little less significant. We might I was speed just say, I have through no comment. these. Yeah, <laughs> Carroll's ta- Matthew Carroll takes the Jackson bins uh, thirty-two. Monahan takes the thirty-four. Billy Wilson, what the thirty-five? I'll be honest. There's one bit I don't love there, and that's Billy Wilson taking the thirty-five, okay. only because he was pick thirty-four. He could have taken 34. It I was do available. Like that. Yep. Felt like there was some synergy, some numerology around that. Yeah. I don't know, but maybe he's just earmarking another high number, hoping someone else gets the flick next year and he runs straight into that. But the big one, Ashton Moyer taking the big 43. Do you like that from Ashton? Yeah. Now, I really do like this. Mm. I really like it. Yeah. He's gonna be I, I think than it's. That's what you're telling oh, me. Why not? Why not take it? I would have kind of liked him weirdly, and this goes against my player number theory in Ashton Moyer in the number four. But there was that li- there was that video with uh, him getting the jumper off Gibbsy, South Australian. I just thought there was something in that. Maybe give him the four. Sure, yeah. We need that. we need a, to continue the tradition of having a big forty three. Haven't really had one in a long time, so let's make it Ashton's. Let's oh, make every the single will kid drive by. F- from here on out, go, yeah, mate, how good is that number 43? Such a big number with Carlton because, you know, one of the best players in the league, Ashton Moyer, is wearing it. And they go, no, Cooter used to wear that. And the kid goes, I don't know who that is. I only know Ashton Moyer. He's, he's an absolute superstar. And that's what I want. I want these next crop of Carlton wow. players to make these numbers their own where we're not having to think about players that absolute superstars but that, are so far out of the game that we need our new generation of stars. So why not start to get these guys into these numbers? So yeah, that's that's it. Let me know your thoughts as well, what you think about these new numbers, if you even care as much as us too. Um, but the last thing that we will wrap this episode up with, which is, look, this was a, it was a big item, a um, lot of contention around this, a lot of discussion. Lockie told me a week or so ago that he was – absolutely fuming he was ready to live into a rant rant uh about the fixture about how it's all going for 2024 so let's wrap this up and talk about this you're probably not as heated anymore 
But God, no. what are your thoughts on the fixture, where we're playing, round one, round negative one, round zero? What are we doing? Do you have any opinion on it at all? I think the issue that I have in reflection that I had in the last 10 seconds right now as you G'd me up for this question is I don't like how they announce the fixture mm. and how they go about doing that. I think a lot of this could have been avoided if they didn't make it such a like in blocks, you know, yeah. how they like gather around, bit of a break. And also Carlton's going to be going to Brisbane uh, to open the season. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And maybe maybe that's what they're going for. All publicity is good publicity kind of energy. That's what got me so riled up. Um, I'm going to be going up to Brisbane for that game. I'm excited. It's We're mm. going to get a win at the Gabba to start yeah. the season. If that isn't the most premiership energy you've ever heard, mm. um, I don't know what is. So I'm a lot, I'm a lot calmer on it now. We're going mm. to get our Richmond game. I just I love the idea of of Carlton Richmond as that first game of the season, even though we didn't get it last mm. year. Um, so I'm a bit easier. I wish they would just have gone. Here's the fixture. Boom. Everybody remain calm. Interesting. I, w- I was keen to know what you were angry with because a lot were angry that we weren't playing Richmond, that that was the tr- new tradition and whatnot. That was the and aspect. That wasn't really what I was annoyed with, which I find interesting because okay. I wasn't happy with it. But I think when I explain it, it makes a bit of sense. So my issue around it was more, what are we doing, AFL? Because, okay, so the idea was that apparently the NRL was away, but it turns out they're not even away. That's not even the week, so I don't really truly understand it. But we're trying (laughs) to grow the game in New South Wales and Queensland, get some big blockbuster clashes there to start the season. I absolutely love that. Let's do that. Let's try to pump as much as we can into some of these other states, build them up. We've got Tassie coming in in a couple of years. Let's start to, you know, stop making this just the Victorian League. And it doesn't have to be Carlton Richmond. Who cares who we play round one? Let's, you know, let's build the game elsewhere. I have no issue with that. Whoever we play, where we play, no issues whatsoever. Okay. Where are my problem lands is, okay, you threw out, this uh, you leaked it into the media to see what the fan reaction was, and it was overwhelmingly against this. Being like, "What are yeah. you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you calling it round zero? What what are you doing, AFL?" And they decided to hear that feedback because there's no other reason you would have leaked it other than to see how it goes. And they went, "Oh, we'll just do it anyway." Which I'm like, "Why even bother leaking it?" But it's just mm-hmm. if we're going to do this, if we're going to make it a big deal in these northern states why not go the whole way why not almost have like a little gather round-esque thing where you're throwing a couple other games in there or or going all towards it secondly why are half the teams having a buy yeah why do we not just have that be round one why are we calling it opening round so it's opening round round one round two half the teams are playing and then within the first three rounds all these teams that played in opening round they have to have a buy. When yeah. I'm making something, and this is my kind of main point, if you have created something, go for it. And you now mm-hmm. have a multitude of other issues that you have created and more problems that you have to create other ridiculous things to fix these problems. Maybe your first idea is dog shit and you got to fix it. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. 
in this thing while we've made more problems for ourselves. You've now made it a bit more difficult for other teams who may have a bit of momentum because they've played an extra game. You've got to quickly give them an extra buy-in to fix the issue. When Mm -hmm. all you had to do that fixed and solved all these things is, okay, let's just start at round one, call it round one, play these games in the Northern States, go for it. Maybe you need to fix things around with a buy later on to stretch the season out. I don't know what it is, but it feels like they just made so many more issues that they didn't need to make for the sake of this little Mm. random thing. And that's my issue. Play whoever you want in round one. I don't care, but... Interesting. Let's just call it round one, have all the teams play, simple. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's all very valid. I'm, I'm actually just surprised, knowing you for as long as I have, that the, the what do you call it, the, the romantic part of it being Carlton Richmond every year to mm. open it isn't something that phases you. I just would have thought that would be something yeah. you would be more passionate about. I think it's more the fact that it hasn't been a thing for that long. Like in the grand scheme of things, it, it hasn't always been a thing. We just sort of created it. And I yeah. agree. I, I like that that's a component of the season. Every single year, you have that big blockbuster clash. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think my perspective is just if you want to grow the game and the way you think the best to, way to do that is to really go heavy in those northern states. Sure. We've, we've neglected those states for too long. Go for it. Try something I different. Um, I just hate the way they've worded everything. But no, I... We'll yeah. play Richmond no, at some stage and we'll get that going. Um, yeah, those are my weird thoughts. But is there any lasting things that you want to say about 2023, about the season? Or are you wow. happy to wrap things up there, seemingly, for the year? It's insane what a roller coaster it's been, hasn't it? From how high mm. I'm sure we were in the preseason. I went back and watched, this would have been in September, but I went back and watched some of our episodes from like round 13, 14, 15. And. Yeah, that was a couple of sad gentlemen. So it's just crazy the way that the year went. And mm. I, I truly believe that um, we are the best team in the league now. I think we're going to go all the way next year. And that is the excitement level that I definitely want. And yes, this is probably going to wrap things up for 2023. We, are, we need to plan yes, what we're going to be doing. We've got some ideas, whether they are sort of sprinkled from now to the start of the season or whether we just cap it now and launch into 2024. That is up (laughs) for discussion. But as far as all the main content, the recaps, diving into the list and all of that, that is done for 2023. What a year. One of the best years we've ever seen as Carlton supporters of our age. Let's mark it, enjoy it, look back at it, but let's move on to 2024 where we are moving on to bigger and brighter things and bringing home finally number 17. That is wrapping up this episode, wrapping up the year. We will see you guys next year for a big installment up the bloody baggers. See you guys next time.